Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. Speaking openly about my grief experience and helping to support others to do the same serve as regular reminders that we are not alone. When we allow all the parts of us to have an expression of life, including the painful ones, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about a post called Grief Maintenance. I deeply enjoy cutting my grass. It reminds me of when I first began running. Both activities involve a significant block of time where I get to be untethered to the world around me. Once I realized I could put on my sneakers and headphones, (laughs) yes, this was pre-AirPod era, and take off for hours at a time, I became a distance runner. My knees no longer allow me to run distances, but getting on the tractor on a beautiful day to groom the lawn is a close second while also being a bit easier than running marathons. This time of year, it's a race to get to the first cut of this season. I've been waiting all winter to get back out there and manicure the fine lines that make up a beautiful lawn. When I'm out there systematically cutting one row, turning, then cutting the next, and again turning, then the next, I feel so grateful and connected with nature. But the first cut, it's always the hardest. The challenge is that the ground itself is covered with debris. All of the storms and winds that overcame this property from October of last year until now, make it an uneasy terrain to traverse. There are huge branches that have fallen, which will ruin the mower blades if I don't take the time to move them. While the debris can make for an easy bonfire start, it's still a slow and arduous process to clear the way for the mower to run. But I know this going in. It's just part of the process. 
So the first cut of the year takes hours and usually involves some Motrin and a hot shower afterwards. My knees don't like the on-again, off-again climbing, squatting, and clearing of branches any more than they like distance running. But I thank my body for working well enough that I can get this done over the course of a day. Enter the second cut. While the first cycle can take several hours, once that initial clearing takes place, it becomes lawn maintenance. Maybe there are a dozen or so trips on and off the tractor to remove whatever has fallen since the last cut. But the second and subsequent cuts of the season are undeniably easier, smoother, and faster than the first one. By the second cut, it feels like smooth sailing. One row after the next, I get to ride that big tractor machine in the sunshine, notice the extraordinary beauty of nature that surrounds me, and breathe in the life that is mine in that moment. A couple of hours later, the grass is proudly manicured and standing tall. I know that if I consistently get back out there, it will never be as challenging and as exhausting as the first cut of the season was. My experience of grief has been somewhat like this also. For many years, I didn't make time for grief, for pain, for longing, sadness, anger, resentment, forgiveness, or any of the needed components required to process the many deaths that had taken loved ones from me. From losing high school friends to suicide and violence to losing two of my babies to losing friends and family members to terminal illness, suicide, and murder, I became very good at lumping my grief into one big pile of debris. And I never wanted to touch that pile of debris. I never wanted to clear the landscape. It was way too intimidating and overwhelming to try. My knees could have handled it, but my heart said, no thanks. So that initial clearing of what had accumulated through the seasons and storms of my life never happened. I just let it pile up higher and higher, season after season. After two decades of stuffing my emotions down, or just plain ignoring them, I began to suffocate. The things I had once tried to enjoy started to feel impossible. I felt less and less productive and became increasingly disconnected from most anything except the productivity that kept me earning a living and taking care of our incredible and incredibly complex son, Zachary. I was going through the motions, but only on the surface of life. You could say the foundation became shaky. Little by little, and without realizing it, I was nowhere near the actual ground, and was instead getting used to moving around on top of the accumulated debris. If you've done any hiking, you may understand this analogy. 
It seeks to illustrate the experience of trying to find solid ground on which to stand, but knowing that there are many things under my feet that I cannot see. Those things unseen can be harmful and even dangerous. Should I slip and fall, twist an ankle, or just plain lose my footing? Although it has taken me years and not hours, I started clearing the grief landscape a couple years back. It has been paralyzing at times, allowing the branches from grief storms and devastating, profound loss to pile up so high that there was no longer a way for me to step around them. When I tried to pick up the proverbial branches, I realized one was connected to another and still another. The massive web of complicated, abandoned grief was keeping me from standing firmly and securely on the ground. It had to be cleared out. Clearing the landscape of grief is really hard work. I've found that there's a direct correlation between the amount of time that it's been ignored and the degree of difficulty to get to the bottom of the heaps. So after two decades, there was a lot of debris, broken branches, deadened grass, and dusty terrain. Grief clearing is also multifaceted. Among its many forms, allowing my grief to exist at all may have been the hardest. As I said in the introduction, years of therapy, coaching, group grief support, talking with those whom I trust and love, including God and myself, walking, running, and cutting the grass were all ways that I had been clearing the landscape of pain. Additionally, self-care efforts like rest and hydration also helped. Little by little, a small area was cleared and it gave me enough room to find a place to stand. Tears, frustration, anger, fear, and processing ensued. Soon the patch, that was only as wide as my two feet, expanded. Bit by bit, the areas that were cleared began to dominate the land of my grief, so that there was still plenty of debris, but it was now in piles that I could come back to later. Once I could get my footing on solid ground, I felt the first sense of relief from the big bad grief that had been threatening to consume me since the first funeral that I attended for my friend as a teenager. All the storms and branches that I had accumulated began to dissolve. Unfortunately, for those of us in grief, There is no big tractor to clean up the mess that is our emotional scar field. We can only go branch by branch, little by little, and clear the next hurdle we see. But here's the good news, finally. Much like the first grass cut of the season, 
Once we have done the work of grief, we move from overwhelm to maintenance. Sure, every week there's a new pile to clear. Someone may have said something that triggered a memory for me. Or maybe I had a nightmare or a flashback. My mood may have plummeted at some point since the last time I cleared the grief scarfield, and it takes work to tidy it up. But tidying up is a lot easier than trying to balance on a moving pile of tree branches that won't allow me to stand securely no matter where I put my feet. Tidying up our grief, like cutting the grass, can become a more incremental process, which, if we tend to it, can protect us from losing our footing with any given step. So I invite and encourage you to start looking at your own grief landscape. If you've never cleared it, there's a lot of work to be done. But don't do it alone. Let your friends and family help you slowly lift one dead branch, then the next, and then the next. Work with a therapist or coach who can help guide your efforts. Talk with others who've already had to work through profound loss and take intentional care of your body's physical needs. And by all means, go at your own pace. Since we know that time doesn't heal, but grief work can, let's stop letting all the weight of our pain keep us from living life and feeling secure. It can take years to get to the solid ground. But once we're here, we just need to clean up the piles as they accumulate and enjoy the order and beauty that arise when our lines are straight and our grass is standing tall and proudly. It can be hard to imagine that this is possible. So I am here to remind you that it is. So thanks again for joining this episode of The Healing Path. And gosh, I just love a good metaphor. <laughs> they um, they kind of keep, keep my world turning. Um, so yeah, this is an easy one. And I know that, you know, there are people whose life's work it is to teach us and kind of coach us on how to keep things clean from counter space to, you know, our closets or our kitchens or our bathrooms and what have you, as if we can't figure out how to do that on our own. And whether we're clearing a counter space, cleaning out the fridge, or cutting the grass, um, and removing that debris, or whether we're removing the debris that we've allowed to accumulate of pain, those things are very difficult to take on. And it's much easier to just let them keep piling up than to actually have to dive into them. It's so much work. It requires a lot of patience, a lot of love for ourselves, and just a willingness to want to know what's there and how to clear that, that area so that we can really get our feet on the ground. 
So I encourage you, as I said in the post, to try this, but do it incrementally. I think I used to imagine that I could just keep piling up the pain and the debris that was coming from my very young friend who died of diabetes or my other young friend who died of cancer or my children dying or um, even accidents and tragedies that didn't involve people that I necessarily knew, but I sort of just kept putting it all in piles. And I just figured that was a lot easier, particularly because I was working several hours a week in addition to managing our son's Zach's care, which involved a you know multi-person care team, medical teams, supplies for his feeding tube, medications, and whatever he had going on. So it was easy for me to push the pain uh, off to the side because there were so many things that were demanding my attention in real time. And that worked really well, actually, for about 20 years. Um, it got me through nursing school. It got me through various certification programs and into different career paths. And by all accounts, my strategy of letting things pile up around me seem to be working. But here's the thing. It will not work forever. It doesn't work forever. So the longer we wait to see what's there and to mull through it, which is what it feels like, and to clear those paths and to clear away the pain, as much as it takes to do it, we have to do it. Because if we don't, it will completely consume us. And ultimately, that was my personal experience. So it started out like I wasn't sleeping very well, or I was, you know, maybe imbibing too much, uh, you know, alcohol or eating too much or spending too much or whatever, whatever, all the different ways we (laughs) creative humans have of checking out of what is our actual life. I was doing it a little bit a little bit, a little bit, until I got to a point where, from a physical perspective, my body um, and my and my mind were just mush. And some of that, I think, was exacerbated by the intensity of COVID and managing a, a much larger team than I had had been managing, and just really, truly caring about my team and wanting them to do well. And my inability to disconnect personally from my team members, um, which was a result of me just really caring about them and their families and um, trying to get us all back on solid ground in a sense. When that lifted, I was just left with, um, you know, not being able to sleep, not being having my physical body in a condition that it could work for me instead of against me, and kind of chasing my tail and breaking down ultimately which i imagine others have you know experienced but again it gets back to the good news if we can clear these areas or i should say when we we choose to clear them which is a very courageous thing to get involved with when we do it we can then move into grief maintenance instead of doing that first clearing the kind of clearing that I had to do to get the grass cut um, 
last week. And so this week, I got the benefit of having just a couple hours out there on the tractor with very little debris to clean up. And I think that whether, again, we're cleaning our um, our, our lawns or counter space or anything, any area that accumulates things, we know, laundry, like we know that no matter what happens, eventually we've got to do that whole pile of laundry. Eventually, we've got to clear all the piles of grief and pain and resentment that we've been, you know, numbing to with, again, all the different creative ways, diving into our work or, you know, diving into exercise or whatever your drug of choice may be. And I had a lot of them. I tried a lot of different ways to stay numb. Once we take that um, faithful journey of, letting ourselves process and clean literally like twig by twig, rock by rock, branch by branch. The ground that I used to stand on that was so unsteady and that I felt like I was almost like with each step I was kind of bouncing on and not able to really find something secure. Eventually, my feet found a place that was on the ground and I literally started to feel, I love this word, grounded. I literally started to feel that I was grounded and the subsequent piles became easier to clean. And once I got through that process, which again, it took me a couple of years and a lot of uh, courage and determination and a lot of love and patience for myself, but also from those around me for me. Um, I was able to clear it. And that's the hope. That's the message that I'm wanting to share today is I know when you're hurting and if you've never allowed yourself to truly process your losses, it's impossible to imagine that there could be some kind of peace or that there could be some kind of settling and that we could move from avoiding what's piling up to just maintaining the space and dealing with it. Like I said, you know, somebody says something that trips me up or maybe I have a memory. I had an experience a couple days ago where I was talking with someone about dreams of our loved ones. And I was reminded of a terrible nightmare that I used to have very regularly about my daughter, Alexis. And the nightmare was always the same. She was in a, a swinging chair, um, one of those rock, you know, mechanical rocking chairs. And I, and she, her back was to me and the chair was going and the chair was going. And as a sick little girl, she spent a lot of time in that chair because it was very comforting for her. So in the dream, I'm seeing that she's rocking and I'm running toward her and I'm running toward her and I'm running toward her. And when I come around to the front and I'm able to put my eyes on her, she's not alive. And that image alone took so much energy from me and just hurt me so deeply. But honestly, it's been years since I've actually experienced having that dream. But just the conversation about it, I felt like I had to like, you know, go home and deal with what that had done to me. So yeah, it might take 30 minutes of meditation or, 
you know, going on a walk or talking with a friend or a counselor or even listening to something hopefully helpful like this podcast or someone else's experience to remind myself that I'm okay, that this is hard, but maintenance is a lot easier than letting it all go to shit and then having to do it all at once. Because when we do that, we just, we never want to get to it until we realize that we don't really have a choice unless we just want to stay numb, which is totally an option. Um, didn't work for me, but it can work for, you know, quite a long time. So again, I thank you for listening. And if you have any experiences of um, just metaphors around grief or realizing that you too may have been able to clear um, some debris, it maybe took you a couple years or maybe it didn't. Um, but that this maintenance process is a is so much easier, this incremental management of what's happening around us to remind us of our grief, to tweak those painful nerves that are always going to be raw. Um, we get reminded that it's easier to do that, and then we can move on with the rest of our life. It's not that we let go of our experience or our pain, but it doesn't dominate our lives. It doesn't keep us from experiencing the miracles that are surrounding us because if we stand still and look around and we've done the work to clear the debris, <laughs> the miracles are undeniable. So thanks again for joining. And until next time, let's do our best to stay present, to stay grateful, and to stay healing. And as always, I sincerely thank you for listening.